Hello. Hey, Andy. Hey, Matt. So this episode is recorded at the Design Conference in Brisbane, and it's recorded on the day that Never Not Creative did a walk. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So many creative meetups are always at the pub. Yeah. And not everyone wants to, you know, feel like they've got to do it at the end of the day and have to drink alcohol. Uh, it's not. It's great sometimes. It's not for everyone. Not for every time. And so NSC Walks was the, basically the alternative to creative meetups. So a chance to meet up in the morning with a group, go for a walk, talk about anything you like, but also you know, is a chance to kind of get a little bit closer with people without the noise of a pub. It's sort of proven that you know to be able to talk a little bit more about mental health, it's good to be able to do it side by side rather than face to face. Ah. And walking, obviously, is actually a good side-to-side activity. So, yeah, NSC Walks is um, up on the site. There's events coming, hopefully soon, if we're out of lockdown. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, there's some some really good ones. And anyone can start a walk wherever they are. So go to the site, just send your details in, and we'll get it up. That was Andy Wright, CEO of Streamtime, good friend and supporter of ADR. If you want to find out more about the NNC Walks, go to nevernotcreative.org slash walks and you can register and start your own welcome to australian design radio a podcast seeking to provide australia and the world with conversations and commentary on australian design We'll begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of country, recognising their enduring connections to the land, knowledge and stories. I'm recording this on Gunungurra and Durag country, and I pay respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. I'm your host, Matt Leach, and on this episode, I'm joined by co-host Myla Yeomans. This is our second episode in a mini-series that looks at how design can help combat stigma. Now, the definition for stigma is pretty broad, but basically it involves the discrimination against individuals based on their differences from other members of society. This could be gender, race, age, sexual orientation, socioeconomic status, or even culture. For this episode, we're again at Design Conference in Brisbane, and we're sitting on the Turbine Hall stage chatting with Peter Brennan, founder and creative director of Electric and Analog, and co-founder and head of brand for non-alcoholic beer, Heaps Normal. Pete has had an amazing career right across the globe, from art directing for Quicksilver in South Africa, directing innovation at Atomic in Australia, or working at top agencies in the UK. Pete's had a wide range of experience across all parts of the industry. It was through a few discussions that we thought Pete would be perfect for this miniseries, specifically around the role that Heaps Normal is taking in the alcohol category, where they're promoting mindful drinking, being conscious about what's normal for you, and trying to promote a sustainable change to Australia's drinking habits. Their ads this July really caught a lot of attention because they suggested doing your best, cutting back rather than complete abstinence. Just acknowledging that different things work for different people and that moving towards a lasting balance should be the ultimate goal. Anyway, enough from me. Let's jump straight into the conversation. Oh, yeah. Um, I was just saying, I feel like I know you a really weird amount for you not knowing me at all. I've like <laughs> been on a real podcast binge and interview binge, so it's nice to meet you. Thank you. That's cool and creepy at the same time. Yeah, I love it. It's what I aim to be. <laughs> you do really well. That's, that's one of the core values. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I'm a... I'm a, a better in real life than I am on uh, on radio. Oh, you've got a high bar, so. Good, good face for radio, so. <laughs> we want to talk a lot about um, Heaps Normal, but 
let's before we get there. I, I guess a lot of people don't really understand that you know you're running a, a pretty major branding ad agency as well, so Electric and Analog. So how did that all come about? So I moved over to Sydney from London about 10 years ago and um, worked for a, uh, a media agency, was very much a square peg in a round hole and um, kind of always studied, studied graphic design when I was 17 back in the days of Macromedia Freehand and Quark Express. Oh, Quark Express. You know, it's yeah, bad. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I heard. Someone yeah. told me the other day. I was like, what? I did try to use it. Really? And then I was like, I why, I why am I doing, doing this? Yeah, <laughs> I know, exactly. We've moved um, on. <laughs> but if, if Quark wants to sponsor us, I think mean, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've heard good things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I loved it back in the day. <laughs> um, it was literally the only page-making, like, tool out there at the time. But yeah, then, then yeah, moved to moved to, to Sydney, worked a media agency, realized it wasn't really right for me, and then um, and then started Electric and Analog, which is a, a, a branding studio. First couple of years was me being a freelance designer, pretending to be a, a branding studio like you do. Yeah, managed to eventually get my ego out the way and took on a, an amazing designer named Mark Blackler, who's our senior designer, managed to get out of his way, and he focuses very much on the tools now, which I've... Um, I guess there's a bit of a transition from going from choosing color palettes and font pairings to like, how do I actually grow a company, which is a very different thing to do. So um, so Mark's come on and added tremendous value and is, is very much leading the kind of creative side of things and allowing me to kind of focus on marketing and growing the business and new biz and all that stuff that as a designer you don't realize has to go on for a studio to operate. <laughs> Absolutely. What's one of the bigger, I guess, biggest learnings you've had from that? I think, I think realizing that being a like the desire to run a creative studio means you need to do less creative work and more business work which is a big thing for me I kind of knew that was going to happen but I didn't realize it was that much I naively thought I could do both and it's a very different set of skills so it's a big learning curve on my end from the commercial side of things which I think is something you never really stop learning um, it's always kind of evolving and yeah just just getting out of my own way really just um, yeah it's it's hard to it's hard to juggle those two things so I still play very much a creative director role and kind of look after everything before it leaves the kitchen so to speak but Mark's doing a lot of the design work and adding immense value now before you came to Australia you had Viewpop how, how would you describe what Viewpop was Viewpop was a three-dimensional photo app. So um, essentially you would take a photo in two seconds and move it a very short uh, space from left to right and it would capture a three-dimensional photo. So my now wife and I did a six-month road trip to the States and we found an old Viewmaster in Portland and Oregon. Um, and if you remember, they had those discs and you could kind of click through and it looked like a 3D thing. You'll look at me like you don't know what it's talking about. <laughs> I'm like, you know. Showing your age. I'll be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and essentially you'd hold this thing up to the light and it would look like a three-dimensional photo and the reason was because there was actually two photos on those discs one was taken with a kind of a left angle one was taken with a right lens and they would both be like kind of eyes width apart so your brain would trick you into thinking you're seeing a three-dimensional photo when you're actually seeing two photos that have been taken a very short distance apart yeah I had one as a kid and kind of just fell in love with it again and just couldn't really put the idea down so came to Sydney, I was on a tourist visa for the first few months, I had some spare time and um, just started playing with this idea. We, we, my brother and I kind of did it together and we took it to Web Summit in Dublin, which is a big technology conference and made the kind of the top 10 startups like three years in a row, I think it was, and we raised, um, yeah, we raised like 150 grand US from an angel investor and um, yeah, it was, it was going really well and then we, we were about to run out of money and we, um, we actually got approached by someone from Huawei, which we didn't realize at the time is like one of the biggest companies on planet Earth. Um, they actually make more phones than Apple do and was inquiring about, um, you know, 
um, acquiring the technology from us or would we do a license deal with all the handsets and we said we'd think about it, obviously kicking each other the table going, oh my God, this is it, we've made it. Um, and we were, we were a couple of weeks from flying out to London with lawyers to kind of negotiate a deal and uh, Donald Trump an announced that he'd arrested the CFO of Huawei at the border to Canada and our emails just like literally went silent, like phone calls stopped being answered, like the whole, whole thing just went dead overnight. Um, so yeah, so we we we, uh, we we felt like we were really close, but we weren't. And then we did run out of money, so we kind of just put it in the put it in the on the top shelf. And the um, yeah, I mean, we still own the IP, and it's, and we've got we've got the tech and stuff, but we just haven't done anything with it. So yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a switch up. Has that kind of moved into your branding agency, Electric and Analog? Like, are there sort of learnings from that that you've taken over or yeah for sure i think i think with viewpop it was very much uh, there wasn't really a why and a purpose and i think that's something for me that i think is so important and so overlooked because i think i think like when the social network movie came up everyone wanted to be like a millionaire kind of like startup entrepreneur and it became like the raddest thing to be like a, be that kind of startup person and we naively probably fell into that kind of trap i think oh we could make it happen instagram will definitely buy it for a billion dollars within the first 12 months easy like um, so we did that and we thought it was cool and it was funny because we'd, we'd, we'd have like a lot of investor conversations and they'd all ask what's the purpose, what's the why and we didn't have one. But then we're like, well, Instagram never had one and they sold for a billion dollars so we think we're going to be okay but we weren't. So, and as a designer, I think like designing with purpose is probably one of the most overlooked things, at least it was for me and it, yeah, it made me realize um, just why you need to have purpose if you launch a project like that. So I, I kind of went through a pretty bad spell of burnout a few years ago and, and went to go and see someone about it. Actually, Andy, had a good chat with Andy Wright, who's an absolute legend in that space. If anyone's got any any issues, go and talk to Andy. He's a legend. And then, um, yeah, went to go went to go see someone about it and get some help and, and realize, like, what is my purpose? What is my, what is my why? And I started journaling and, and trying to figure that out. And it became pretty obvious to me in hindsight, like, um, I lost my dad to suicide when I was 11. Um, he was uh, he was very wealthy when we were kids. And when he died, he, w he was declared bankrupt, which we could not really understand. So I started just trying to think, like, how could I bring that story into what I do? And then it was kind of became pretty clear that, you know, we, we have this kind of skill set as designers, particularly brand designers, where we can go into a business and see some pretty obvious low-hanging fruit. And, you know, whether, whether those are, you know, recently started startups or they're kind of legacy brands that have lost their way a little bit, there's, you know, there's an opportunity for creatives to play a role to reinvent that brand, make it relevant. And that really became kind of my driving force and my purpose and getting out of bed in the morning. And it just changed everything like overnight. Like I think it's so cliche, but if you have a purpose and you enjoy what you do, it's like, it's not work. It's just, it's just like, like, it, like I didn't, there's no like clock on and clock off time for me. It's just like always on and, and, and it's great. And, it, and I think like coming through that burnout phase, you, you learn to put certain kind of strategies in place to protect you from that when you can feel a bit of burnout coming and you like haven't had a proper night's sleep in a while and kind of been recognizing those things. So yeah, so it was just, yeah, I think just finding purpose in what you do is like being a game changer for us, for sure. So we are at TDC, and one of the things I've really liked uh, being here this time is everyone's walking around with beers, but they're heaps normal beers, non-alcoholic beers, and even like at sort of like 10 o'clock, everyone's kind of like wandering around with beers. Yeah. Breakfast beers, man. It's <laughs> the way forward. So much versatility. School tuck shop beers, like there's just the possibilities are endless. Yeah. 
It's just, well, actually, the last person we had on was a pregnant lady uh, having a beer. Crazy, crazy target. Like, not, not even a target demographic for us, but just a, <laughs> just like we didn't realize how many pregnant ladies love drinking heaps of normal beer. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, so it's good. been an eye-opener for us, for sure. So, firstly, like, we'll, I want to get into heaps normal and, and how that all came about. But um, why choose to, do, like, help out and sponsor a... A design conference. So we, Heaps Normal was born, fair to say it was born with an electric and analog. At the time it wasn't called Heaps Normal. We went through about seven brand iterations of what it was going to be. And yeah, I think, I think growing up, my dad was an alcoholic and growing up in the shadow of that was just something that always played on my mind. I subsequently never had a good relationship with alcohol. Like grew up in, like was born in England, moved to South Africa when I was like seven, eight years old, um, moved back to the UK when I was like early 20s and grew up basically in a drunken blur in my 20s in London because drinking is like a national sport over there. You know, it's like Monday morning breakfast meetings at the pub, you know, it's just normal. So wasted a lot of time doing that and then came over to Australia with my now wife and yeah, we've got, we've got a young family. We've got two young children and number three on the way. And yeah, I guess just realizing like, you know, the creative industry in particular, I feel is um, like many industries is just rife with going out and having a drink. And, you know, and I think for me, it was a problem. Like I was, you know, when I was younger, I'd, I was that guy that would wake up and couldn't remember how I got home and then like phone my friends and be like, oh, you did this, you did that. It was just a horrible feeling and just living with that guilt and that fear. Like it's just something I didn't want to do anymore and battle with that for a long time and then just one day just realized like it's just something I didn't want to do anymore so so kind of the idea I guess came up and shopped it around to a few people within the within the kind of the Sydney more Australian beer industry as such and friends of friends that have made some introductions and was kind of politely laughed at the room like it wasn't really a thing or they didn't think it was going to work and which is fair enough like it's not everything to everybody and and then hit up a, an amazing man named Andy Miller who uh, we'd done some work with where he'd worked at, at Young Henry's and just kind of ran the idea past him and he just got it straight away he was just like this is epic and I love it and I'm in we then had a chat with Benny Holdstock who's our head brewer who was like he looked at it as a brewing challenge because it's really hard to make a good tasting non-arc beer and then I'd grown up like I said in South Africa and a, a friend of mine Geordie Smith is a, a pretty established pro surfer and I knew he was off the booze because he'd he's been run up to being a world champ twice and kind of hit him up and he was in too so the four of us kind of just went to market with this kind of idea and Benny had kind of home brewed in his kitchen and made this beer that we thought tasted pretty cool and we put it in some blank cans and we sent it around to oh, I love it. sommeliers and Blind farming and yeah. all this kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And we just said, hey, what do you think? And they were like, they started naming the flavor profiles and, and then we said, oh, what ABV? And they were like, oh, like a mid-strength, like maybe a four, like three and a half, four, like four and a half percent. And we were like non-alcoholic and they were like, what? And we're like, okay, we're on to something here. So, um, so it was, yeah, it was one of those things where we just thought, okay, this is this is epic. And um, yeah, my my wife and my my five year old daughter and my two year old son probably did the least work, but we had this production line in our kitchen, just putting stickers on blank cans, and then we just handed them out in bags to people that we thought were great and yeah. got some good feedback. We actually got asked to enter a startup accelerator called Startmate run by Blackbird Ventures um, so we applied to it and we were we didn't think we'd get in they have like six or seven hundred applications I believe and we kind of did this we did the application because we were told hey we'll make you think about your business in a different way and you'd probably like learn a lot more about what you do and all that kind of stuff and then yeah we did it and we we, we kind of we click send and we were like wow that was an interesting learning curve yeah cool and we kind of closed that chapter and then 
And then we got hit up, you know, a few days later going, you've been shortlisted for like the top 40, I think the top 30 or 40. And then we had like this like two or three hour speed dating session on Zoom with all these investors and mentors. And then, and we made the top 12 and we were like, holy shit, we've made it, you know, like we're in. So we joined up with them and it's a pretty intensive 12 week accelerator program where we just learned so much about how to, like things like how to run a meeting efficiently, you know, like how to like, how to sell and how to do customer service and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. So some of this stuff you would have known from your your history anyway, but so what was different about... I think, you know, for me that landscape changes quite a lot. And I think the first time we raised was, um, it was from an angel investor. It was someone who approached us. We weren't really looking for money at the time. We were kind of self-funding the whole thing with ViewPop where this was completely different. This was like, there was a whole network and community of really high net worth individuals who, all people that have kind of walked the walk and done this way before us and got, got, you know, proofs in the pudding. And just having that really kind of intense 12 week mentorship program where you just like, you know, nothing's off the table, any question can be answered. The whole ethos is like, if you don't know how to do something, someone's going to know someone who knows how to do that with their eyes closed so we can pretty much do anything you know which which is so refreshing because how many times have you like hit a brick wall and kind of wanted to give up you know so we did that and then at the end of it they have what they call demo day which is essentially like the dragon's den moment when you go on stage and you pitch and you ask for the your money and um and we wanted we i think we asked for like 1.1 million dollars was our magic number and by the end we, we we opened on the friday and by the tuesday we'd had like i think it was like 2.4 million dollars like committed and we were like oh my gosh like super oversubscribed we didn't know what to do uh we had a lead investor who was kind of running it and he was just like look we just scale some people back and we don't want to give we don't want too much money to give away too much equity and so we settled on i think it was 1.3 mil and just managed to take that money and you know build an incredible little team we've got a we've got like about 10 staff at the moment including including us as founders and you know have the have budgets to sponsor things like the design conference and things like that and and i i think you know the the tdc is a really good one for us because we we kind of there's three kind of like buckets as such where we're kind of trying to cater for it so we call it athletes artists and entrepreneurs and it's very much in the nike tone of voice of like everyone's an athlete i think what's down a lot of the success has been like we're not preaching sobriety we're not saying alcohol's the devil don't drink we're just saying hey like instead of you know i keep saying this but instead of having eight beers and probably smashing your phone and missing work the next day like you can have four normal beers and four heaps normal beers and everything will be okay and when you say like that you just see people like the switch goes on in people's heads and they're like, okay, I never thought about it that way. And then they grab a four pack and then within a few days we're getting DMs on Instagram. We're going, oh my God, this is amazing. And it's just so good to hear that, you know? So we've just been like overwhelmed with the support and the uptake. So grateful. And that's sort of that whole idea that you sort of talk about a lot with heaps normal of conscious drinking, right? It's not that you have to go one way or the other. Yeah, I think like the whole mindfulness thing, it sounds a little bit wank talking about it because I think it's like so overdone. Like everyone's everyone's like mindful and consciousness and stuff. But it, but I think like I think timing wise, like the industry or sorry, the category is really popping. Like the kind of like I, I just think it's such an interesting time to be alive. We're like meat free burgers, non alcoholic drinks. Like you know, marijuana is making a making a statement. Like it's all like like it's it's just like there's a lot there's a lot going on. And I think you know we were kind of in stealth mode for about eighteen months, nearly two years before we launched last July. And I don't, I don't think we didn't foresee the category exploding like it is, which is, which I think the timing's been really good for us as a business. But um, when you said you were in stealth mode, did you see it starting to explode? And then we had like we'd done a couple of overseas trips, like individually, and I'd, I'd noticed something. I'd been, in, I'd been in LA like a few months before, and I'd noticed a lot of the youth over there were like not drinking. They were like they, they microdose on marijuana and all sorts of things like that but like alcohol was kind of like a no-no you know which was really interesting to see 
Um, and then I'd been in Tokyo a couple of years before that, and there's a, there's a pretty big non-alcoholic scene over there as well, even though the Japanese do enjoy drink as well. So, um, so it's definitely something we we're conscious of. Um, but I think, yeah, it's just, it's just popped in Australia recently in the last few months, and I think that's, re- that's really worked to our favor. But I think, I think people are just becoming a lot more conscious about what they put in their body, you know, it's, um, which, which, is, which is great because always learning, man, and think about what we've put in our bodies over the years. It's probably not amazing. We're just thinking about this conference we sort of, before we started recording, like five years ago, it was a very different <laughs> day three at this time. It was pretty... Everyone would still be in the place. hotel bed, yeah, including me. And it's a, big, it's a big shift, like, you know, in Australia, it's sort of similar, I guess, to the UK. It's very much a bit of a national identity thing. Oh, for sure. In a, in yeah. a way. So it's a, it is really something to kind of be pushing up against. Oh, 100%. Like, we did the research, obviously, like, early on, and we realized, like, I mean, I can't remember the numbers, but it's like hundreds of millions of dollars that drinking costs the Australian economy every year in, like, injuries and disease and accidents and death and all sorts of things like that. So, um, and then the stats of, like, alcohol consumption within, like, the young consumer demographic in particular is just going down. And I think... It's like, I keep saying it's such an interesting time to be alive. Like, I mean, I read a report recently, like car, car companies are losing market share to Uber because in the, in the States in particular, because instead of like mom and dad buying their sweet 16 year old a, a car for their birthday, they get a fully paid Uber account and they don't have to worry about them so much. So there's a lot of that going on. And I think, you know, technology is underlying all of that. And it's interesting that we came through a technology startup, an incubator, essentially, what, what kind of StartMate is, um, when we're essentially a consumer brand. So there's just a lot of how, the, I'm just loving how kind of technology and creativity are really kind of overlapping. And with the wellness space as well, it's just like a really, really, yeah. really exciting time. It's been a big theme of the whole conference, I think, as well. For sure, yeah. Definitely. Now, Myla, this is all based around a question. So do you want to just introduce what the question is? Uh, my question is how can design help to combat stigma? Um, and I think that Heaps Normal is a really beautiful example of that. Um, I know it was all kind of created through your agency. And I'm also, I'm also curious as to how that process was sort of being your own client. I mean, first thing to call out is it's probably fair to say like Heaps Normal was born within the agency, but it, it, it very much became a sense of its own when it when it was taken outside of the agency i think it's really hard to to build something when you're so close to it so you know andy miller in particular you know amazing brand strategist him coming on board and really taking that on as well as a brief was where it really started to pop and gain traction and and become something like i said we had about seven different names each one had a brand identity associated to it until we got to heaps normal so yeah, I think for me, breaking down the stigma, I think it's, you need to stand for something. And I think you also need to not tell people what to do. I think the minute you tell someone they can't do something, they're going to do it. Yeah. You know? And We're I think, all teenagers. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. It's like, don't touch that hot plate. You know, my son's going to touch that hot plate whether, 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 whether it's hot or not, he's touching it, you know? Um, and, and it's the same principle. Like if, you know, like I said earlier, like we don't preach sobriety. We, we, we say we make beer for people who, who enjoy beer who just want a night off or a week off or sober, whatever that might be. We've never, we've never preached sobriety. We've never said, hey, don't drink. We've just gone, hey, like, try this. And if it's your normal and that's cool, that's great. And I think, I think brands that really stand for something and get behind that and back themselves with that is, is, is where people start resonating with it and getting behind what those companies are doing. So I think that's a really good way to break the stigma. You know, we're talking about being at TDC, we're... And if you guys remember, did you see Snask a couple of years ago? The guys from Sweden, they're amazing. Yeah. Like yeah. One of the things they said, which I think is the name of their book, it's like gain enemies, make enemies to gain fans. 
And that just hits so hard for me. Like, you can't be everything to everybody, you know? Like, but if you stand up for what you believe in and you make a stance, yes, you're going to have haters and that's fine, but you can't be everything to everyone. But you're also going to have people who, um, who, who are into what you're doing and are kind of backing you and supporting you. And I think, I think that's worked really well for us. I think in terms of stigma, like, we've, we've really gone into this space, like, leaning into people and kind of, I guess, categories where we think we would get traction and, and actually make a difference. You know, Geordie being a, being a pro surfer, you know, when you look at the surfing industry back in the day, it was like everyone was just drunk, you know? Like in the 80s and 90s, now it's like everyone's got like a trainer and a chef that travels with them and like... Um, and I think like that kind of like aspect is, 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 is going through a lot of the different industries at the moment, you know? Um, particularly the creative industry, like, you know, people to get ahead, you know, in the startup space and entrepreneurs, like... I mean, you guys know how it is to run a business when, you, when you're not hungover. Like, trying to do that with a hangover all the time, it's, you're going to lose five years, you know? So. And I think it's really poignant what you were saying about kind of, it's a, it's a suggestion, like, you're not being condescending in the way that, yeah. like, anything about the brand or the way it's delivered, it's like, it sort of comes across, I think, in really the right way where it, it sort of doesn't put people off by being feeling like they're being told what to do. Yeah, and I, th- I think not taking yourself too seriously, you know? It's like, it's fun, man. Life's supposed to be fun, not too, like, yeah. not too serious. And I think, I think like, if you, if you look at the branding, I mean, I, can we talk about that quickly? Like, where the name, where did that come from? Um, that just came from the kind of view of, like, what is normal to you? Like, everyone has a different version of normal, you know? And it's, um, you know, that's something that we spoke about a lot. We sat around the table and we're just like, well... Why, why is your normal and my normal very different? And to you, it's normal. And to me, your normal's not and vice versa. So that was kind of our approach is just making a brand that stands for like who you are. And we're all different. There's no way that we could all be the same. So just find your own normal and, and be you. Yeah, just be and you. And then the choice to put the brain on the cam? Yeah, so, um, so we, we um, used an amazing illustrator um, from Torquina, Pat Rogash. The brief was to create something around the mindfulness space and just being fit and healthy and creative. Yep. So he's hold, uh, his, his name is Norm, the brain. Yeah. Um, and he's holding a paintbrush <laughs> and he's wearing some pretty cool, cool trainers. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he kind of represents creativity and entrepreneurship and just doing that kind of stuff with a clear head, you know? Yeah, that's brilliant. So when we spoke to Keisha, she talked a little bit about the importance of stories and this idea of almost that if you build the storyline, the visuals and everything else will come after that. I, I think I think they hit the nail on the head. It's um, you know that's I mean that's that's essentially why we call the branding studio electric and analog. Electric represents creativity and technology and all those things, and the analog is literally what we've been doing since caveman days which is sitting around a fire telling a story you know and i think um you know as a branding studio as well that's that's it's the most overlooked thing of building a brand i I genuinely believe is you know people are so um close to what they're doing in the business they don't realize there's a story behind that and people love stories and i think brands that tell a really good story people fall in love with that they resonate with it um, and they get behind that brand, whether it's a product or a service, whatever it might be. Um, and I think not enough brands are doing that. I think it's, you know, when, when building a brand, it's fundamentally the number one thing that we look at. Mm. And I think it goes a long way in that kind of, particularly with Heaps Normal, like kind of pulling down that stigma around the choice to not drink or to drink more mindfully. I think if you can be really transparent, as I think you guys are, like on your site and everything about, hey, like this is this is our story, this is where it came from for us. and you know, this is the choice we're making, like, what, what do you think? I think having that really in there makes a big difference. Yeah, for sure. It's, you know, the, the heaps of thing has been insane. Like, we, we kind of, 
it's probably fair to say we were like all scratching our own itch. We all had a different reason to kind of cut down the booze and like, you know, and they were all very different between the four of us. And, um, you know, like Andy and Benny have worked in the beer space forever. And I think when you work in the beer space, you drink a lot of beer. It just comes with the territory, right? So I think they were kind of fatiguing of that. Obviously, Geordie, like I said, had just missed out being a world champ a handful of times and wanted to change that. And for me, like, you know, just having that in the family and being a young dad, I didn't want my kids to go through what I've gone through and wanted to kind of break that cycle. Um, but I think the, the crazy thing for us has been, like, just the stories that have unfolded from us telling our stories. So, for example, yeah. yes. we went to, um, we did kind of a road trip to Canberra in the early days and went to see one of our early bottle, sh- bottle shops that we'd kind of stocked. And, the, and I just said to the owner, like, hey, what's the kind of demographic of people that are buying this at the moment? He said, oh, it's really selling really well. And, and I, I thought he was going to go, like, you know, young male skew, like, blah, blah, blah. And he said, oh, he said, last week this man came in. He said he must have been, like, early 90s. And I was like, wow. And he goes, um, he just came back from the doctor. And the doctor said, if you drink alcohol again, you're going to die. You need to stop drinking alcohol. And he said, the man walked in and said, look, this is probably a stupid question, but do you get anything as, like, is there such a thing as non-alcoholic beer? And, and the, the, the store owner said, yep. He, go, he gave him a four-pack of heaps normally. He said, try this. And he said, uh, let me know what you think. And he said, the guy went home and he came back the next day and he bought a case. And he told all his mates and he went to his local pub and he came back and he just said, hey, like, like a bunch of old men and their, their, their wives have all passed on and their church is just going to the pub at four o'clock every afternoon and having a beer with each other and talking shit. You know, that's their thing. And the doctor saying you can't do that anymore was like literally the end of his world, you know? And like him being able to then go and do that and like have a beer, I'm, I'm doing quote unquote <laughs> my fingers for those at home, um, was like such a magic moment for us to be like, oh my gosh, like this is like bigger than we thought it would. Like pregnant ladies, you know what I mean? Pregnant ladies love drinking beer, like non-alcoholic beer, it's insane. We then had another story of another one of our customers, Winona and Manly, where I live and we, we checked in with them like, you know, like we do every now and again with all our customers and the, the lady behind the counter was like oh you know the other day these like four these four young guys came in like early 20s she said they were standing at the bar looking at all the different beers and she was kind of watching them seeing what they do and they all grabbed a four pack of heaps normal and she was like oh they must have fallen for the branding they don't realize it's non-alcoholic so she's like it's my duty to tell to say something you know <laughs> so they came up to the counter and they put it on and she was like hey i need to let you guys know like this is non-alcoholic and all four of them she said at the same time went yeah we know we're landscape gardeners, we're gonna work early, we're going to a house party tonight, we wanna go for a surf before work, and we just, we didn't wanna get drunk. And she was like, oh my gosh, this is a thing, like this is, this, is, this is it, you know? So there's been a lot of those stories that kind of unfold. And I think it just comes from us telling an authentic story as well, you know? Like you, you have that story as a brand and people resonate with it and they have their own stories that come through as well. So it's everything. Yeah. Awesome. That's wonderful. Any last thoughts? No, thanks for having me. I love what you guys are doing, man. No, thank you so Been much. Been a fan. I'm stoked to be on here. Finally <laughs> made it to ADR. My mom will be proud. <laughs> Isn't he a great storyteller? I could literally listen to him for hours. But unfortunately, that's the end of this episode. If you want to see some electric and analog studio work, go to eanda.cc. There's a great journal section where you can get some more stories from Pete. To find heaps normal, go to heapsnormal.com. You can find stockists, hear the origin story, and score some awesome merch. If you have any feedback for us, message us at hello at ozdesignradio.com. If you like what you heard, please share it with your friends. Next episode, we're talking to Olivia and Sam from Studio Chen Chen. Until then, stay safe. Australian Design Radio is produced by me, Matt Leach, with digital advice and weekly chats from Braden Towns. Editing by Madeline Inskeep. <laughs>